And hello once again and welcome to the Mecca Sports Talk. I'm your host Keith Dewar for this Saturday, October 16, 2021. As we, as you heard those uh, Ranger chants after they laid an egg the first two games against Washington and Dallas. But I'll give you my uh, thoughts on that in a couple of minutes along with my NHL predictions for the 2021-22 season. I'll give you my Stanley Cup matchup as well. But first and foremost, I wanted to talk about this Kyrie Irving situation briefly, which, you know, I know there's a lot of controversy with this. Uh, The Nets have now said instead of Kyrie playing road games, he's not going to play any games. And it's causing a lot of outcry on both ends of the aisle. And look, I think this would be much more interesting if the Nets did not have Kevin Durant and James Harden on their team. They had these two guys in their team, two other superstars, two of the best players in the NBA. So they can afford to sit out Kyrie Irving. Now, if they didn't have these two guys, I guarantee you the Nets would probably be telling Kyrie, you're going to play road games. Because they need to win games to get in the playoffs. But right now, with these two other guys in their team, are they still not the best team in the Eastern Conference? If they're not, they're the second best at worst. So I think there's, you know, a little, it's, it's, if you don't have these guys, it's a different, it's a different story altogether. Now I know continuity and chemistry play a part in things also. Go look at the Hollywood Fakers. They have Westbrook, they have LeBron who hog the basketball and need the basketball the whole game. And they got their third superstar, of course, in Anthony Davis. But you do need continuity and chemistry. And I understand that. If you have a guy only playing road games... It kind of messes things up. I get that. But the Nets have said, hey, we don't want you to play. Okay. Well, if Kyrie, who has had the the virus, by the way, so his natural immunity, let's also keep that in mind in all this. If he has, if he, if he has basically, let's say, consulted with professionals, consulted with, you know, whoever he trusts and this and that, not listen to any of the conspiracy theories out there where you're going to grow like a third ass cheek or uh, whatever, 11th or 12th toe, you know, type of thing. As long as he's not listening to that nonsense, then, hey, if he doesn't want to get the virus, if he doesn't want to get, excuse me, the vaccine, that's his decision. You know, we're not a communist country. And I really don't think there should be mandates. You know, where people... First responders who were heroes are now losing their jobs because they don't want to get a vaccine. And hey, you know, on the other hand, though, if the employer says, you know, this is what you have to do, then hey, if you do it, great. If you don't do it, well, you're not going to have a job here. So I get it from their standpoint, too. I do understand that. But. You can't paint everybody with the same broad brush. And you cannot sit there and put everybody in the same boat. That's just not the way things work. It's not the way things work in this country. So as far as I'm concerned, if Kyrie at least is is consulting with the right people and his decision is I don't want to get the vaccine, then at the end of the day, hey... You want to lose millions of dollars and not play, then that's that's on you. That's your decision. It's the Nets' decision that, hey, 
you don't want you can't get the vaccine or you don't want to get the vaccine and these are the rules for for indoors for New York City then it is what it is that's their decision so I would be curious to see how things play out because it's going to be a long time now. You know, the season's getting ready to start next week. We'll see how the next days, weeks, and months go by, whether anybody blinks or anything changes or anything of that sort. But again, Kyrie is sticking to his guns, and and that's the way it is. I just think, though, the Nets, had they not had Durant and Harden on their team, would probably be singing a little bit different tune right now. And probably telling Kyrie you need to get on the court to play road games at least in the in the duration for the duration while things play out with the mandates, etc. So they had that luxury. A lot of these other teams do not. I mean, if the Knicks lost Julius Randle because of something like this, the Knicks wouldn't be the same team. You know, Philadelphia loses Embiid, they're not the same team. Trey Young, the Hawks are not the same team, etc., etc. So the Nets got two other superstars. They're going to be just fine at the end of the day. Now, on to the Rangers. Now, they pl- I watched this game the other night, and it was great to actually have the game on ESPN. Excuse me, they weren't on ESPN. They were actually on TBS. It was actually fun to see Wayne Gretzky on there with uh, Rick Tockett. And the uh, and the rest of the crew, it was actually refreshing to see Gretzky because, hey, you know, who knows more about hockey than him? The greatest of all time. So it was great to see him the other day doing the broadcast. The Tuesday night game between Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, that was on ESPN. And for nostalgia purposes, that was phenomenal. It was great. So looking forward to watching more games, obviously, on there. Tampa, of course, raised their Stanley Cup banner. And laid an absolute egg against the uh, the Penguins without Crosby and Malkin the other night. So the you know the Lightning who did win uh, the other night seven to six against the the Red Wings in overtime. So they got back to their winning ways after a hiccup against Pittsburgh. But the Rangers they looked horrible the other night against Washington. The last thirty minutes of that game they looked pathetic. Too many two-on-ones, too many three-on-twos. Their passing was terrible. You know, it just every, you know, stupid penalties. You know, we've been singing, singing this swan song for the last how many years with this team? For a while now. I was expecting to see more, you know, in that first game. Now, against Dallas, the first period they looked okay, but then they gave up a goal in the last 30 seconds. To, Peter, uh, to Patterson on Dallas. And then the second period, they looked like a Stanley Cup contender, the Rangers. They were hitting. They had Chris passing, scored a couple of goals. They were on the rampage. They were forechecking like crazy. They looked like a team on a mission. But of course, you know, instead of scoring potentially four or five goals in the second period, they only tied the game at two, and then they lose in overtime in that stupid three-on-three which I can't stand, by the way. They should bring back ties. The hell with the shootouts. It's too too much gimmick crap. Just play the friggin' game. It's not real hockey. Three-on-three is not real hockey. Shootouts are not real hockey. 
So they, they need to change that. I'm tired of it. Because honestly, the, the 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 whole idea of of uh, the excitement and this and that behind the shootouts and this and that, it's all wore off. It's wore off for so many years now that the time has come to just go back to what it was and that's it. If you tie, you tie. Because I think too many games are decided in the shootout. And you get an extra point here, an extra point there. And it's the difference between you making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. And it's due to the fact that you're playing, you're not playing real hockey at that stage. It's one-on-one in the shootout. Or it's three-on-three for five minutes of overtime. So to me, I say you play ten minutes overtime. You don't score. You want to do four-on-four, fine. Four-on-four, you have a little more open ice. That's still at least real, more real than three-on-three hockey, which is basically backyard, you know, or in the uh, the frozen pond type of hockey nonsense that that is. So I think you know they got to revert back to that at some point because these, the gimmicks I've had enough of. But the Rangers should have won that game against Dallas the other night. It was a tough loss, and you know they need to. The, the big guys need to do more. I mean, right now Adam Fox is by far and away through the first two games at least, playing the best, the Norris Trophy winner from last year. The Rangers, you know, as a whole, look, they're big guys, Panarin, Sabinajad, Kreider. You know, they need, they need, in the worst way, to get more out of Kako and Lafreniere this year. Those two guys have got to take a step forward. This is Kako's third year. It's Lafreniere's second year. I want to see more from these guys. Because if they don't get more from these guys this year, the Rangers will not be a playoff team. And right now, realistically, are the Rangers a playoff team? It's a it's it's tough. It's tough. And I, you know, I'm not gonna base my prediction of over two games. But if you look at the Metropolitan Division as a whole, I mean to me the two best teams in the division are the the Hurricanes and the Islanders. And those two teams, I think, will be the last two standing in the Metropolitan Division when we get to the playoffs. For me, I feel like the Rangers will just miss out on the playoffs. I think they'll get close to being a playoff team, but I don't think they will be a playoff team this year. Which will be disappointing with the new head coach, Gallant. And I understand that, but I don't think they're quite there yet. I think next year, they'll be a playoff team. But I think this year, I think it's one more year that they're going to be just on the outside looking in. I mean, for me, I think it's the Islanders. I think it's who I think will win the division. I think Carolina will finish second. And then after that, you know... I think it will probably be, depending if Crosby and Malkin are healthy, I think Pittsburgh will still figure out a way to get in the playoffs, and I think the Caps will get in also in the division. So those will be my four playoff teams from the uh, the Metropolitan. Now, Stanley Cup finalist Montreal last year, they don't have Carey Price, who's out for personal reasons right now, and you know wish him the best of luck with whatever he's dealing with right now. But... The Atlantic, I mean, to me, Florida and Tampa, the the class of the division, and you figure probably Boston and Toronto most likely will be the other two teams that get in the playoffs. 
that's a much weaker division. It's you know much more top heavy. I mean, Buffalo is not going to be great. Ottawa's very young. Detroit's very young. You know, Montreal doesn't have their best player, so I think those four will miss out. From the West standpoint, I mean, the favorite in the West is definitely Colorado. I mean, you got McKinnon. The only thing I, I question with Colorado is the goaltending because I like Grubauer better than Kemper, who's now the uh, the goalie who came from Minnesota and now is in Colorado. Uh, Grubauer went to Seattle, who won their first game. They have more wins than the Rangers so far, of course. But I think the, the Central Division potentially could be the most competitive of the four divisions when you figure Colorado... I mean, Chicago, with that big contract they gave to Seth Jones, you know, how is he going to be in uh, in a new environment this year? And they have Taze back for uh, the captain for, for Chicago. I mean, you could argue probably that six, maybe seven teams could get in the playoffs from that division that, that have a shot to make the playoffs. I mean, Colorado's clearly going to make it. After that, though... Nobody stands out, per se, between Minnesota, Dallas, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, Winnipeg, and Arizona. I think you could make a legitimate argument that almost any of those other teams could sneak in to the playoffs in the Central. But right now, Colorado is far and away, to me, the, the team to beat in that division. And quite frankly, I think they're the team to beat in the in the Western Conference. Now, you go to the Pacific Division, which obviously just added... Seattle, who won their first game at Nashville the other night. This division is definitely the weakest of the four. Because outside of Vegas, I don't really see another team that is a true obvious contender, per se. You know, LA is, I mean, not what they were. Obviously, we won their two cups several years ago. I mean, Edmonton, I could potentially see probably being the second best team in the division after Vegas. But after that, I'm not really high on San Jose. I mean, Calgary is going to be kind of one of those teams that could sneak into the fourth spot in the, in the division. Mm-hmm. Seattle's got a shot to make the playoffs in their first year. They're not going to pull a Vegas and win and go to the Stanley Cup final. But they got a shot at least to get in the playoffs. But my two teams that I do think will get to the Stanley Cup final this year, or actually, I'll give you my conference final pick. To me, it's going to be, it's the Islanders in the, in the Metropolitan, getting out of the Metropolitan. And in the, in the Atlantic, I, I, it's hard, it's hard to pick against Tampa, but I'm going to, I'm going to go on a different path this year. I think Tampa while they got great players, obviously, in the top six for their forwards, and you have uh, Hedman, obviously, and McDonough, and you have Vasilevsky in goal, who's phenomenal. But I like Florida as a surprise pick to get out of the Atlantic this year. So I think it's going to be the Islanders and Florida in the Eastern Conference Final, and I'm going to give the advantage to the Islanders in that uh, matchup. In the West, I think it's going to be Colorado and Vegas, I think it's going to kind of be chalk pretty much in the West. And I think Colorado gets out of the West. 
So I like the Islanders in Colorado for the Stanley Cup. I think the Islanders, hey, you know, you talk about a situation like in the NBA when you used to have the Pistons try to get past the Celtics for all those years, and then the Bulls tried to get past the Pistons for all those years and couldn't, and then they finally got over the hump. Well, I think the Islanders will get over the hump because they're not playing Tampa in the conference final this year. I do think Colorado, though, who had a two-game-to-nothing edge on Vegas in the conference semifinal last year, I do think this year get over the hump and beat Vegas to get to the cup final. Now, obviously, I'm a Ranger fan. I don't want to see the Islanders winning the Stanley Cup. But having said that, I think the Islanders hoist the cup this year in their uh, first year at UBS Arena in Belmont. I think uh, when you look at that team up and down with Barzell, and, you know, they have a slew of talent, this team. I didn't even realize that they picked up Zach Parisi, who's obviously a 16, 17-year veteran for the Islanders. Um, You know, the guy is obviously longtime veteran, great leader, played a lot of years in Minnesota. You know, Zdeno Chara, I know the guy's 100 years old, but the guy is a leader. And, you know, you talk about these other guys. You talk about Josh Bailey and Bavelier and, uh, as I said, Barzell and Brock Nelson. Another guy that's back this year for the Islanders, Anders Lee, who can't be underestimated. The guy's a big body, gets in front of the net, causes a lot of screens, etc. So I think, you know, and you got Zizekas and, you know, Clutterbuck in the fourth line and Jean uh, Pajot, Gabriel Pajot also. So the Islanders got a lot of depth and a lot of talent. It'll come down, obviously, to what they do in goal this year. Sorokin, you know, is their guy now. And I think clearly, you know, again, I think this is the team to beat. Uh, I think they, they had a couple of close calls against Tampa. They took them to six two years ago. They took them to seven last year in Tampa. one nothing game seven loss. Devastating. But I think the Islanders get their fifth Stanley Cup this year. I think that they, uh, again, they have the depth. I think they got the team to basically do it this year. I think, uh, and you got, you know, you got a Hall of Fame head coach also to keep in mind that, you know, he left the Caps after the Islanders, uh, excuse me, after the Caps won the Stanley Cup against Vegas a couple, a couple years ago. You know, Barry Trotz, I mean, he's a premier head coach. If he's not the best head coach in hockey, he's one of the top two or three, without a doubt. So the Islanders, I mean, you know, he fell right in the Islanders' lap, laps. And look what the Islanders have been since they've had Trotz as the head coach. They've taken leaps and bounds, big-time strides. And that's with losing their best player, Tavares, a couple of years ago. So the Islanders, again, like I said, they have a lot of depth. They got a lot of talent. They got a good influx of uh, of youth in this team. I think the signings of Parisi and Chara were very important and very under the radar. So I think the Islanders are right now uh, that team that I think this year finally gets over the hump. And I think they wind up uh, beating Colorado in six in the Stanley Cup final. And they'll hoist the Stanley Cup for the fifth time and for the first time in 38 years. Or 39 years, excuse me, it'll be. 
So that's my NHL predictions, basically. Islanders in Colorado. I think the Rangers will slightly miss out on the uh, the playoffs this year, as will the Devils, Metro from the uh, local standpoint. Uh, and you know, we'll see. We'll see what uh, what transpires. Again, as I said, it's good to see the NHL back on ESPN. It's a little weird seeing it on TBS and TNT, but uh, we'll see how they do their uh, production and games on those networks going forward. Again, as I said about Kyrie, hey, he's uh, he's going to sit out, and the Nets are basically saying, hey, you're not going to play, but again, as I said, you don't have Kyrie and you don't have Harden, is that decision the same? I don't believe it would be. Uh, lastly, the ALCS last night, Astros and the Red Sox, Red Sox blew a 3-1 lead, and Again, you know, the coddling of the starting pitchers. You know, I understand why the Astros took out Valdez early, but I don't understand the Red Sox taking out Sale so early. He threw 60 pitches or so, and you're taking him out in the third inning, and he was throwing well. You can't tell me he can't give you another inning? Maybe get to the fifth inning? I mean, it's It's ridiculous. You know, they, they were talking ad nauseum last night about the fact that he, you know, they changed, they changed the delivery a little bit. He was a little more up uh, upright, which allowed him to, uh, you know, be able to get a little more command in his pitches and a little more velocity, too, for that matter. And he looked good last night, I thought. But in the third inning, you're taking him out? I mean, come on. It's too much coddling of these guys already. Oh, but this is what the analytics said. Well, the hell with the analytics. You know, and Alex Cora is not a guy that friggin' goes by these analytics tooth and nail like the Yankees or Tampa or many of these other teams. But that was a game that got away from Boston last night. They should have won that game. I mean, they had a two-run lead. Altuve does his usual and hits a home run in the playoffs. He's got 20 now in the playoffs for his career. And Carlos Correa hit a bomb, which I think that just came down about five minutes ago. And look at Kike Hernandez. Two homers, two more homers for the Red Sox last night. He's unbelievable. He looks like, you know, Manny Ramirez, basically, when he was doing the roids. That's how good he's been. He's been unbelievable for Boston. But again, that was a game that got away from Boston last night. They should have won. You know, I'm not in love with that bullpen. And now tonight's a must-win to me. Boston's got to win this game tonight. Because if you don't win tonight, you're down 2-0. You're going back to Boston. You figure Houston's going to probably win at least a game there. So to me, you know, Eovaldi's got to give them six, seven innings tonight. And and that's it. So to me, they've got to win this game tonight. They blew that game last night. They should have won that game. It was a game they definitely could have won. But it wasn't to be. So Houston wins 5-4. to four, And they take a one nothing lead. The Braves and the Dodgers start tonight. So we'll see what happens in that series. As I said uh, yesterday, the uh, I do like the Dodgers to take it in 7. And go to the World Series where they'll have a rematch with the Astros. We'll see if that comes about. But for right now, uh, that should be a fun fun series as well. And uh, it's good to see the fans, though, at the stadiums. 
cheering, you know, the teams. It's it's just, uh, you know, there's nothing like it. You know, it doesn't compare to last year when you had no fans and it, it's not uh, anything close to what what it uh, what it was last year compared to this year. It's like night and day. So I'll be back tomorrow to get my lucky seven NFL picks for week number six in the NFL and uh, recap game two of the ALCS and game one of the NLCS. So I will uh, speak to you then. Everybody enjoy their Saturday. If you're a college football fan, enjoy the college football and, of course, the, uh, the baseball games later on. I'll speak to you tomorrow.